Hello, Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it Cashback Match. Now to recap and say cash back one more time. We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network. Visit us online at www.xzone-radio.com. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. fiction and fiction is reality now here's your host rob mcconnell Back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network and our fine family of broadcast affiliates across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, 20 Asian countries, and growing, the Pacific Rim, and across Europe. Our toll-free number is one 877 That's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address, xzone at xzoneradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. And our websites, www.xzoneradio.com. And if you'd like to watch, listen, and chat with the coolest radio audience anywhere, www.xzonetv.com. 
My producer tonight at Master Control is the president of the Dr. Gabe Merkin Fan Club, my producer Melanie. And taking care of the chat room at Exxon TV is the vice president of the Dr. Gabe Merkin Fan Club, Robin Scarborough. Guys, thank you very much. And no, I do not want a Dr. Gabe Merkin t-shirt, but thanks for the offer. My guest this hour is Mike Oram, and Mike is an award-winning landscape photographer, songwriter, and musician. He is also an experienced lecturer and storyteller, and one of his radio interviews is now one of the most requested tapes for a local and hospital radio in the United Kingdom. Mike is the originator, co-creator, and writer of the British strip cartoon, Ben's World, and most recently, Mike has written and recorded two Ben's World music CDs, which includes songs and stories. His book, Does It Rain in Other Dimensions, is written from the perspective of a lifetime of personal experience with visitors from off-world, both as an investigator and as a contactee. This book offers a retrospective and a current look into the alien abduction scenario and includes the author's amazing abduction incident at Area 51, Nevada, and DNA symbols for consciousness change, given to him by light beings. Joining me now from the other side of the big pond in the United Kingdom is Mike Oram. And Mike, welcome to the X-Zone. Hi, Rob. Uh, good, good morning to you. I'll say good morning as it's four o'clock here. Uh, lovely, to, lovely to have the opportunity to speak with you. Jeez, I'm sorry. I didn't know we got you up so early. I hope you... Uh, uh, I hope well, I've not, not gone to bed, so I've not oh, really got up. So you... that, that's fine. Don't worry. So you're a party animal. Uh, <laughs> just for tonight. <laughs> um, tell, tell me, Mike... How did this all start? Well, I suppose I really have to go back to when I was four years old, and that's um, back in 1955 in the East End of London. Mm -hmm. And I had a conversation with my mother. Um, I told her that there was no such thing as death, and she said, well, of course there is. When you die, you die. And I said to her that, no, when you die, I said that your soul continues to um, exist. And... In the same conversation, I said to her, and also, Mum, you are not my real parent. Mm. And she was really shocked, and she said, well, of course we are, because you were born in this house. And I said, well, you are my parents as far as bringing me onto this earth, but my real parents are somewhere out there in space, and I pointed up towards the sky. And then I said to her, and also, Mum, something of incredible importance is going to happen on this planet and it will affect all units of consciousness whether it was mineral vegetable animal or man and I said it will not happen in your lifetime mum but it will happen in mine and m my mother talked about this conversation right up until she um, passed away in 1993 but um, people often question me about this and what I said was that I, I, I was seeing um, images, which I suppose now would be in my third eye region, mm -hmm. and there was words that came with these images. So when I said units of consciousness, that is exactly what I said. Mike, and stand by. You and I have to go for a commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Mike Orm is our very special guest. We, this is going to be an interesting hour, Exo Nation. We'll be back on the other side. England swings like a pendulum do Bobby's own bicycles two by two Westminster Abbey, the Tower of Big Ben The rosy red cheeks of the little children 
Now if you huff and puff and you finally save enough money up to take your family on a trip across the sea, take a tip before you take your trip. Let me tell you where to go. Go to England, oh, England swings like a pendulum do. Mike Oram is our special guest. And uh, his website is www.inotherdimensions.com. Mike, I'm sorry that I had to cut you off there, but we had to take that commercial break. Uh, so you told your mother that she really wasn't your mother. How did that go over? And were there repercussions throughout your life? Yes, there was. I mean, after that conversation, um, I started to sort of look up in the sky, and I, I wanted to meet the space people. I wanted mm -hmm. answers as to why we were here and, you know, what was life all about, etc., and I started to um, meet a man who used to materialize in front of me, and he used to wear this um, brilliant, shiny, silver, um, almost metallic-looking um, overall-type um, um, outfit. And he had the most piercing blue eyes. And he first appeared um, that I can consciously remember when I was about seven years old, and um, he told me that he was from the stars, and he travelled around the um, around the universe. And I ran through and told my parents, and um, obviously they didn't believe me. Um, he appeared throughout my childhood, and I still meet him today. And I did actually meet him um, up at Area 51, which we could talk about later on, um, when he did give me a, a little bit of a telling off. For, he said for sticking my nose in where it doesn't belong um, is it possible Mike that what pe people call guardian angels are actually visitors they're, they're light parents so to speak yeah um, yes I must just I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to actually um, hear you um, I, but I think I heard you say about guardian angels yes what it I was could be a a sort of similar thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've all, I've got to know him in the way that I call him my space brother because he comes across to me as being, I feel a part of his family. And he has um, always come to me when I've needed help. But he has all, also come throughout my life mm -hmm. and um, he changes the frequency of my body and we do go up onto craft. So he may be um, a bit more than a guardian angel. All right. When you go up in, in the craft, how do you get from good old uh, firm Earth up to the craft? Are you teleported, just like we see in Star Trek? Yes. I always know when he's coming. Um, it may be a few minutes. It may be a mm -hmm. few seconds. It may be a couple of hours. And I just prepare myself mentally and wait. And then he will appear in the room. And then I start to get a buzzing in my head. And then the buzzing goes through my whole body. And this this buzzing reaches a crescendo and um, to such a high pitch that I eventually lift off the um, bed or the chair, wherever I am, and I'll go straight through the ceiling or the wall or the window. And 99% of the time, I will then see a light and I will head towards this light. And then I will be aware of going um, inside the light and into some sort of um, room um, sometimes I do get what they call doorway amnesia and I may not be aware of any more until I come back. Other times I, um, I'm quite aware of sitting there talking to him or other people mm -hmm. 
and they give me masses of information but when I come back here that information is always difficult to hold in the conscious mind and when I've questioned him about this he has said to me rather frustratingly that this knowledge will be revealed to you when the time is right now uh, when, when you when you feel this of uh, this change in vibration uh, or frequency happening are you alone or do others has anyone ever else has anyone else ever seen you levitate and go through the ceiling no nobody has ever seen me um, do this um, and um, I mean I've lived on my own most of the time mm -hmm. but when there have been um, people around say like if I was in a relationship or something those people would always be in in a sort of suspended animation you know it, um, they're just not aware of what is happening and you could not wake them if you tried um, Obviously, there must be a reason for that. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. Mike Oram is our special guest. His website is www.inotherdimensions.com. When you are taken into the craft, where do you go? Um. <laughs> I never really know where I go physically. I mean, I'm just aware of sitting on the craft and talking to these people. Mm -hmm. um, they have sometimes taken me to uh, um, other um, places on this planet. I mean, but, um, they have shown me a couple of times um, areas in England that have been um, flooded and totally changed to how they are today. Um, this appears on a screen on the wall and my, my space brother who um, I became known his name was Telos he told me that um, he, he, one of the images that come on was up in Scotland and he said to me that you would not hardly recognize this would you and I said no and he said this is what is going to happen to um, um, this part of your country in the near future where do they come from where where do they call home Yes, I've asked him that, and he's never really told me. He's, he's always said that his home is just moving throughout um, space in this craft. Um, I've done a lot of research into, um, I mean, for 40 years now, I've seriously studied this subject, and I've, I've met and communicated with people all around the world that have similar experiences, and very few people are told where the where these people originate from now when you're in the craft are there other people from planet earth on the craft as well yes this has happened um, um i remember um, an experience some years ago where i was taken from my home up into the craft mm -hmm. and there was um several people that had also been taken that evening and were sort of either standing or sitting around and these people were having what he told me was health checks, but it was like to do with their DNA. Now, I had... So, sorry. No, no, go right ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I had experiences with some beings who um, I call light beings because they are just seem to be made up of pure golden light, but mm -hmm. humanoid in form. And they, have, they actually put symbols into my mind 
and they told me again that at some future time the understanding of these symbols would be released into my conscious mind and they said to me the same thing that these symbols affect your DNA and it is to do with um, helping us make some sort of consciousness change in the near future and I think this is what I was trying to tell my mother when I was four years old back in 1955 that something of incredible importance was going to happen on this planet and it would affect all units of consciousness. And from what he has told me, I do believe that this is going to happen in the, in the not too distant future because I said this would not happen in your lifetime, Mum, but it will happen in mine. But there's still a lot of this that I do not understand, and it is frustrating. They have promised to um, um, let me understand more in the future, but I sort of feel now, at the age of 57, mm -hmm. it's about time that I was told. At certain times, it seems that some places around the planet experience what we call UFO flaps. Now, such happened in, I believe it was uh, War Minister in the 60s. You were there. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, War Minister in Wiltshire, that's in the south of England. Um, this did go through a massive UFO flap in the early 60s. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't aware of it at the time. But there had been an article in Flying Saucer Review. This is a magazine that started in 1955 and is still going today about one of my experiences where I saw this huge mothership that was over um, one mile in length. And a young lad about my age at the time um, found his way to my house and he took me down to Warminster and he took me up what was then the famous Cradle Hill and there was over a hundred people standing up there and that was a major change for me because up to that time I thought I was the only person on this earth that was having these experiences because there was no one to sort of talk to about this. But in Warminster at that time I had the most amazing experiences with craft that were, that were appearing um, along with a couple of friends that I used to go down there with and they would appear in front of our eyes and disappear and they would come and hover over the hills and smaller lights would come out and we got so blasé about this, we even sort of played sort of parlour games and flashed our torches a number of times at these lights. And the whole light would go on and off the same number of times. It's, you know, it sounds so, like a scene from Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Absolutely. And when I saw that all those years later, it mm -hmm. was very, very similar to that. Yes, absolutely. And I used to think, well, you know... Possibly they think we're like primitive natives and they were like trying to sort of please me. But I think more that they were impressed with our enthusiasm at the time because, you know, we were young and we were searching for truth and, and they seemed to come and sort of try and help us do that. Mike, uh, do you believe or do you have any reason to believe that these visitors who are visiting this planet pose a threat to our safety? Well, I'm not naive to sort of think that the universe is um, just full of love and light because it probably isn't. And there does seem to be evidence that there is, for some reason, many different types that are coming here. And some of these um, entities or beings do seem to have different agendas. But I do think, as from my own experiences, that... Um, 
far outweigh in these, these negative types, a lot of the beings that are coming here are concerned about our own safety and well-being. My and stem. I do believe that they are here mm -hmm. because of this consciousness change that is going to happen in the near future. And when I'm with these beings, I feel nothing but absolute Pure love. Mike, stand by. You and I have to take our commercial break with the news at the bottom of the hour. Mike Oram is our very special guest, www.inotherdimensions.com. He is the author of Does It Rain in Other Dimensions? Mike and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exome continues right here live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Hi, this is Eric Rawls of Cosmoverse.com, and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the Exxon. Hi, this is Blade Runner, and you are listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, I'm Laura Sabrin of Feast to Fields Organic Vineyards in Jordan, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, my name is Lady Ashley, the White Witch of Niagara-on-the-Lake, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Talk radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. song has always confused the heck out of me. What do rubbing sticks together have to do with an afternoon delight? I guess it rhymes, so they put it in. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is the Exxon on the Talkstar Radio Network. Before we get back to Mike Oram, I was uh, going through the local newspaper today, and I came across this this headline, and uh, being a dad uh, and, and seeing so many kids with cell phones these days, it, it was shocking. Just listen to this. Authority recommends... Children, uh, restricting children's use of mobiles. The Radiation and Nuclear Safety Authority has recommended restricting the use of mobile phones by children. The authority says radiation from mobile phones could pose a health risk, but the details of, uh, but the details of possible side effects remain unclear. Children tend to use mobile phones uh, for phone calls a lot more than adults who have started using them over a decade ago. 
The Regulatory Commission says that the degree of risk from use cannot be fully assessed for several decades. In addition, a child's brain does not fully develop until childhood. I'm sorry, adulthood. So whenever you see a child with a cell phone, they're actually, they can actually do a lot of damage to themselves. So I called up my friends at um, WaveShield, and they have a uh, cellular phone radiation protection system. And I've ordered them for my kids. And, you know, visit their, visit their cell protection center at www.waveshield.com and protect yourself and your children from dangerous radiation that uh, is being attributed to the use of cell phones. Uh, have you ever driven into a gas station and it says, please shut off cell phones? That's scary. You go into a hospital, you go into a TV studio, you go into any other place where there's electronics. And... You will see close the cell phones. Do yourself a favor. Do your family a favor. Do your friends a favor. Go to www.waveshield.com today. Tell them you heard about them on the Exxon Radio Show with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Mike Orham is our special guest, www.inotherdimensions.com. And, Mike, thank you very much for uh, joining us at this very early hour in the United Kingdom and uh, for sharing this fascinating voyage with us. That, that's fine. It's great to be here talking to you, Rob. Mike, I, I asked you if the, the light beings pose a threat to us, and you said, no, they're here they're because of the, they're concerned. And, and does the shift, the change, the, the what is going to happen have anything to do with the year 2012? Well, I have been told, they have told me that 2012 is significant. Now, one thing that my space brother told me way back in 1983, he said to me that um, I did not need to keep seeing them physically in the sky anymore mm -hmm. as it served no future purpose. And he said that I now had to use my mind to develop my mind, to develop my heart center, to reach up to them. And he said that they would be prepared to meet us halfway. He wasn't just talking about me, he was talking about humanity. And he said that they would be prepared to meet us halfway, but we have to try and raise the quality of our being to reach up to them. And this was back in 1983, and this was all because of this event that is going to happen in the near future, where we are going to somehow shift consciousness. And he did say that it is connected to our DNA. Something is happening to our DNA. Now, once he told me this, the strange thing happened was that I, I, I almost then stopped seeing these craft in the sky and I sat in meditation and I started to have more communication with them in my mind mm -hmm. and that's when they started to take me more on, onto the craft. And I was also sometimes allowed to take people to um, see the craft and even to meet Telos in the park. Did anybody and I ever... even arranged for one to come for my father when he kept laughing at me back in 1970 because he didn't believe I was having these experiences. Did, it, did anybody... I was in contact with Telos. Did anybody bring, I... bring a camera with him? Are there any pictures? I've never ever, for some reason, and I'm a photographer, mm -hmm. and I never take my camera with me, and I do not know why that is. 
I mean, I never think of really asking them where they come from. Once when I did ask him, he said it, it wasn't really important because we are just space people. We move through space and dimensions. And sometimes it's almost like an enigma, you know, and you have to sort of try and um, understand what they, are, you know, what they are trying to tell us. But they did come and hover over my house when I was living with my parents, when I asked them to come for my, for my dad to see. And they come and hover over the house and they told me in my mind, and this is one reason why I see a lot of these objects, because I'm told to go somewhere at a certain time or look out of a window. They told me to look out the window and there it was hovering over the top of the house. And I called my dad and I said, go, go and open the front door. And he did and he stood there and it changed his life. This huge, huge silver globe was just hovering over the house. Mm -hmm. And then it, they said to me in my mind that they waited for, for that amount of time, which was about two and a half minutes, they said so he would fully take into his consciousness what he was seeing and he would not forget it. And you know, ten years ago when he was dying in a hospice, it was the last day before he passed away and I'd gone into the room to see him and he was senile and we couldn't even have a conversation. I sat there for three hours and in the end I said to him, well, I've got to go now, Dad. And as I was leaving the room, he said to me, do you remember that light? And I said, what light? And he said, the light that hovered over our house. So I came back in and I said, you remember that? And he said, yes. And I said, well, tell me about it. And he told me every single part of that experience that he had all those years ago. And the next morning he was dead. It was the last words I had with my dad. But that's what they said would happen, that he would fully take into his consciousness what he was seeing and he would never forget it. And I think if we can, if, if, if we can open our hearts up to these people, they will interact with us and they will try and help us. And we are really in such an important, really important point in our evolution as a species now. And I find this all very exciting, because my whole life has been drawn to this moment. Now, it seems that you've had a lot of experiences. Do you know why it is why some people never have any? No, do you know, I've been asked that for so many years. I don't know why some people do not see them. I mean, some people have said that, you know, two people could be looking in the sky and one wouldn't see and one would. I don't know about that. But... The reason why I have seen so many is, as I said earlier, is that I'm either, I'm either told telepathically to either go somewhere at a certain time or look out a certain window, open a certain door, or I will have a really strong feeling to do that. And I will go and these lights or the craft will be there. Well, um, do you think that the governments of the world know this information and they're suppressing it and if they are suppressing it why yes i think um, i think anybody that has studied the um, historically the subject of um, ufos um, know without a doubt that the governments have kept a lot of this from us and still do i mean there's been debates for years as to why that is some people say it would upset religion some people have said it would upset the monetary system well i mean that's in a state now anyway so that really doesn't matter it, might, it could use the help yeah well yes i mean other people said it it's it's fear i mean it may be something more sinister it may um what i've always thought is that if they were genuinely concerned you know the our governments that it would perhaps 
upset the status quo here. Mm -hmm. They could have 50 years ago started to release this knowledge to people, gradually released it to them, and people would have eventually opened their minds up to this. And, you know, we would have been in a far healthier position as a species on this planet than, than what we are now. We would have had um, possibly better technology, cleaner technology. All this stuff has been kept from us. And I think it, it is an absolute disgrace that this is going on. And um, I have great worries also that, um, for the future, the way things are going now. I mean, um, not really wanting to touch on this, but I mean, in this country alone, I think we are almost sleepwalking into a police state here. There are so many restrictions that are, that are being put upon us. Um, it's not a very good place. Uh, to be at all and I think the whole systems need to change but yeah. how that comes about I do not know Is it possible Mike and uh, you would know this better than anyone else that well let me rephrase the question if in fact these light beings are here on this planet and that they're interacting with certain people why don't they help fix these massive situations that are detrimental to the existence of this planet? Yes, well, Telos, my space brother, has always told me that they have to work. Now, whether people want to believe in this or not, it's entirely up to them. Mm -hmm. But he has told me that they work within a sort of universal law. And he said that they cannot force things upon us. He said we can sort of show you a way, guide you, almost like sort of dangling a carrot in front of you. But it is up to us um, to, to make those choices to change. And um, they have spoken to um, heads of governments for, he has told me, mm -hmm. um, all throughout the modern era of ufology. But these governments will not, um, they do not for some reason want us fraternize with these people. They do not want this world to change, but I think that they will be forced very soon to change simply because of the ecological situation on this planet. So perhaps it may happen that way. Tell me, Mike, what happened to you at Area 51? Yes, well, I mean, I, w I would have to tell you, um, obviously, briefly, because it actually takes up two chapters in my book. But we, we had gone to the Laughlin UFO conference back in um, 2004. Mm -hmm. And the day before it was time to register at the conference, which was the Sunday, which I believe was February the 8th, the day before on the Saturday, I'd hired a car for the fortnight and we decided to take um, a drive out to Area 51. And we left Laughlin at about 8.15 and um, our first stop, we stopped at Alamo at about 11.50am um, and we had a coffee and a donut and we left there about quarter, 15 minutes past midday and we arrived at the Groom Lake Road, we drove the 14 miles down the Groom Lake Road to the, the famous sign and the imaginary line yeah. and we were there at 10 minutes past one. I read the sign, which is a bit intimidating, saying that, you know, you couldn't even stand there and, and make a graphic representation of the area, even though you couldn't really see anything. 
Um, there was a, a military truck just off to my right with two um, men in there um, looking directly at us. There was a couple of cameras on, on poles, and we were the only people there. So I said to my partner, Fran, I said, look, I've not come all the way from England not to just take one photo. And I knew I was on the right side of the line, so I took a photo of the sign, got back in the car, and I put my foot down hard on the accelerator and, and started to drive away. But almost immediately, um, I noticed in the rearview mirror that we were being chased by a truck. Whether it was the same one or not, I do not know. And I said to Fran, and she said, yes, I can see it in the, in the wing mirror. And then just a few seconds later, I said to Fran, look, it's even closer. And all of a sudden, there was this sound. And Fran said, what's that? She said, it sounds like we've been shot. And I said, I think it's the tyre. Now, in 10 seconds, I stopped that car and got out, and this truck was nowhere to be seen, and this confused us how it could have disappeared in flat, open desert in 10 seconds. The, the next strange thing that happened was, instead of changing the tyre there, which would have been the best thing to have done, I said to Fran, look, there's a, there's a ranch around here somewhere called Medlin Ranch off one of these tracks. I'll drive up there. So I drove on this tyre for six miles and practically ripped it to shreds. My goodness. And when I got to Medlin Ranch, this is a strange thing that happened because we had, we, we had, a, a, we had arrived at the sign at ten minutes past one we got this puncture, like they, I think they must have fired something at us, at about 20 past one. And then we drove to Medlin Ranch, which should have took about 20 minutes. It should have been about quarter to two. But when we got to Medlin Ranch, I suddenly said to Fran, look, it's 10 to four. It'll be dark soon. We've got to get this tire changed. And yet that two hours did not register in our conscious mind at all. Mike, stand by. We've got to take our final break for this hour. When we come back, the conclusion of this fascinating story with my very special guest this hour, Mike Oram. His website, www.inotherdimensions.com. My name's Rob McConnell, and this is The Exxon, live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Mike Orms, our special guest, www.inotherdimensions.com is his website. Mike, let's get on with that story because I have about three and a half minutes left. Right, well, I, I will really have to run through it very quickly. I can't do it justice. But um, when, after I changed the um, tire, these, the, these two strange men and, and a little boy turned up and said something weird like, what do you think of our weather? 
but uh, we found out who these people were. We then drove on to Medlin Ran, uh, onto Little Ailey Inn, mm -hmm. to book ourselves into into a mobile home for the night, and they already seemed to know that we were arriving. And this lady that was booking us in, she was saying to the young man behind the counter, "Why have you put them in there?" And he said, "I've been told to put them in there." And she said, "Why can't they go in there?" And he said, "Because I've been told they've got to go in there." And they. She took Fran across to the mobile home and she said, this stranger turned up, she said, just before you, we don't know who he is, but he's been put in the other half of your mobile home and there's a connecting door between you and I suggest you keep it bolted. And he kept coming and standing outside our front door. At one o'clock in the morning, I went outside to be sick for some reason and this huge light hovered over me and I went up into this light. Fran came out looking for me for an hour and couldn't find me and was in a near state of panic because she didn't know where I was. She thought she was going to be stuck up there in the middle of nowhere and I came back an hour later. And um, when we got back to England, we realised about this missing time and we um, um, looked into having regressions and found out what had happened. Can't go into it now, but we were taken... Uh, into an underground military base when we had that puncture. And that's why we had these two hours of missing time. And with those that ten seconds that I stopped and got mm -hmm. out of the car and I couldn't find their truck, which did um, um, puzzle us, that was because they had some sort of device that put us into, um, uh, into some sort of subdued state and they took us to this underground base and when they put us back they again put us in this subdued state and we, it took us 10 minutes to slowly come around so that when we did get out of the car to look at the puncture that's why we couldn't see the military truck I mean I'm not doing it justice here, it's a long long story and as I say it takes up two chapters but Mike, I want to thank you very much. lot went on in that, in, in that 24 hours. Mike, I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight and uh, we look forward to talking to you again and maybe the next time you're with us you can tell us the whole story. Yes, love to Rob, thanks very much. Take care my friend, too. enjoy your morning tea. Uh, yes. Bye bye, bye now, one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. It's toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska and Hawaii. Let me see. We've got scenes from close encounters of a third kind. We have alien abductions. We have going in the light. And now we have the Betty and Barney Hill story. All wrapped up in one hour. Not bad. When I come back from the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past, I'll be joined by Philip Coppins from the United Kingdom. We're going to be talking about the uh, Templars' Masonic secrets. Do you see a... A plan here, gang? It'll come clear by the end of the night, that I promise you. one 877 is toll-free. My name is Rob McConnell, and I'll be back on the other side of the news as the Exxon continues live and around the world, right here on Talkstar. And even in the light.